I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Greetings and salutations in the name of our Lord. Welcome to another fabulous day in the Lord's neighborhood. I am Paige, your caffeine-imbued host. Here's my caffeine. A little half and half today. Ah, and welcome to another episode of Coffee, the Bible, and Page, where you get to watch, if you're watching the video, or just listen if you're doing the podcast, listen to me think with my mouth open. Just as a caveat... Just as a caveat, uh, if this is giving you any benefit, I'm grateful, but really, I'm not doing it for you. It's all about me. I know that the word says that the man who delights in the law of the Lord will be like a tree planted by streams of living water. Uh, everything, his fruit won't wither and everything he does prosper, so I'm all for that. I want to prosper. And I'm not talking just about the money thing. I'm, I would not be disappointed if the money thing were to take place, but, you know, I'm marking time while I'm scrolling through till we get to our chapter today. I'm talking about prospering spiritually, physically, in every possible way. I want to be what God wants me to be. And I'm tired of being what I am in many, 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 many respects. So... That's why I do this every day, a chapter. Read it, chit-chat about it, and then we, then we see what God has for us. And it, it, God never disappoints. What's been so amazing to me is how God has taken me through chapters that I just, adam, just would have adamantly thought would have nothing for me and have him pull something out of it for me. And that's the cool thing about this devotional style of, of going through the Bible. Um, I bring a lot of, uh, of a process with me when I'm going through this, when I'm reading a chapter of the Bible. Um, when I was an engineer, I would always, go, when I'd go to a lecture or a meeting or a conference, whatever, and I'd be listening to a speaker, I soon realized that there was just no way I was going to be able to absorb everything that speaker said. So I kept my ear to the ground to listen for that one takeaway, that one thing that I can walk out of there knowing that will change what I did as an engineer and improve me as an engineer. Now, I, I took notes as much as I could, but I listened for that one thing that I needed to make me a better engineer. Because I viewed my profession as me building a brick wall. And there were holes in the brick wall, things that I didn't know. And so whenever I would hear something that would fill one of those holes in my brick wall, that was my one thing. 
Well, as a Christian, I'm reading through the Bible. I'm doing the same thing. I'm, every time I read a chapter, I'm looking for that one thing. Now, sometimes it's directly related to what's written. Other times, what's written stirs something up inside me that I need to address or look at. And that becomes my one thing. Today, we're looking at what I think, what I found is the first um, instance in the Bible of virtue signaling. Can you believe that? One of those woke type things. Mm. Let's read chapter 12. It's a short little chapter. Uh, Miriam and Aaron are about to learn a very important lesson. Now, Miriam and Aaron were... uh, well, Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife. All right, now he married someone outside of Israel, apparently. For he had married a Cushite. So they didn't like her. But listen, because they didn't like her, here's what they say. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked. Hasn't he also spoken through us? Now, far be it from me to try to read between the lines or behind the scenes. They didn't like his wife because she was a Cushite. Hmm, sounds like there's a racial, racist thing happening here, or at the very least, bigotry. But did they address that? Moses, why did you marry a Cushite wife? No, they started saying, (laughs) they began to talk against Moses. Now, when you talk against Moses, when you talk against someone else, It doesn't do you any good to talk against someone else to no one else. Don't you talk against someone else to someone else because you're trying to gain support for your point of view? And here's what they said. They didn't say, they didn't go around saying, Moses shouldn't be our leader because he married a Cushite wife. They're saying, God's spoken to me. Aaron's saying, God's spoken to me. Miriam's saying, God spoke to me. God hasn't only spoken to Moses. He's spoken to us. And so they're virtue signaling. They're highlighting some aspect of their qualifications to prove why they're qualified to hate Moses' Cushite wife. And they're gaining support or gathering support. They're spoke against Moses. And the Lord heard this. Well, duh, the Lord hears everything. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He heard everything. So this isn't just them sitting down over dinner one day saying, you know, God spoke to us. Moses isn't the only person he's spoken to. No, no. They're talking against Moses out amongst the people. And they're using their position. Aaron is a high priest. And Miriam related to all of them. And they're saying, we're important enough to listen to. God has spoken to us too. So, I mean, this is a power move. This is a power move. Now, Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Now, here's what that means. Somebody who's humble, they're not weak. They're not um, a pushover necessarily. They might appear to be. A humble man, a truly humble man knows where he is, what his place is in the kingdom of God. And he knows that compared to God, he is nothing. And a humble man doesn't 
go to war unnecessarily. A humble man doesn't um, go to war against other people. He sees the big picture. I, I have I've run into people who took immense joy out of putting me and my faith down. And there was a day when I would buck up against that and get back in their face. But now I realize in the eternal scheme of things, um, God will take care of that. He always does. And that's what's about, what's about to happen here. Moses was a humble man. He wasn't going to go run to God to defend himself. He wasn't going to go to run to God to say, look, they're making fun of me. Look, they're trying to take away my point, my leadership. We don't see that. Hasn't he also spoken through us, said Miriam and Aaron. And then Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Huh. At once, the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, come out to the tent of meeting, all three of you. So the three of them went out. Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and he stood at the entrance to the tent and he summoned Aaron and Miriam. When the two of them stepped forward, he said, listen to my words. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him, I speak face to face, clearly, and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? The anger of the Lord burned against them and he left them. He's telling them that Moses, the humblest man on earth, occupies a place in the food chain, in the spiritual food chain of Israel that is one notch below God. God affords Moses the privilege that nobody else gets, face-to-face -face communication. Everybody else, he speaks through visions and dreams, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it, I, I can't, I don't know, but I think this is the one time that God speaks person to person with Miriam and Aaron in such a personal manner. And he's telling me, look, I don't use riddles. I don't do visions and dreams. I speak to him face to face. And then this is the most fearsome statement of all. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? You know he and I are going to talk face to face about this. You know he and I are going to talk face to face about everything. Why were you not afraid? And then he leaves and he's angry. When my children are small, there were times when I was so angry, I would leave the room. Before I did something I would regret. Now, I'm not saying God 
is doing that. But I know I understand this emotion. He's angry. But he doesn't leave the room without doing something. When the cloud lifted from above the tent, Miriam's skin was leprous. Leprosy. It became as white as snow. Aaron turned toward her and saw that she had a defiling skin disease. And he said to Moses, please, my Lord, I ask you not to hold against us the sin we have so foolishly committed. Do not let her be like a stillborn infant coming from its mother's womb with its flesh half eaten away. So Moses cried out to the Lord, Lord, please God, heal her. The Lord replied to Moses, if her father had spit in her face, would she not have been in disgrace for seven days? Confine her outside the camp for seven days. After that, she can be brought back. So Miriam was confined outside the camp for seven days. And the people did not move on until she was brought back. After that, the people left Hazaroth and encamped in the desert of Paran. Now, Aaron and Miriam had spoken against Moses and the the hint is that this is this was a, a campaign amongst the people of Israel, trying to garner support from Israel. This is a power play. God hit Miriam. Now, I don't know why he didn't hit Aaron with uh, leprosy. I don't know why he hit Miriam. Don't know. But he hit Miriam. He punished Miriam with leprosy and had her go outside the camp for seven days. This would be something that everybody in Israel would see and know and hear about. Aaron and Miriam made a power play and God dealt with it in a visible, and I might add probably pretty productive way. He gave her leprosy and he put her outside the camp for seven days, seven days for people to think about, seven days for people to to talk amongst themselves that maybe it wouldn't be smart to rise up against Moses. Because Moses held a very special place in the hierarchy of Israel. He alone could speak to God face to face. Prophets get dreams and visions, and those are powerful. Those are amazing. But there were no mysteries between God and Moses. And even with that, it says Moses was the humblest man on earth. There's a lot going on in this chapter that's amazing to me. And it it serves as a warning. (sighs) To be very careful about how we speak about God's anointed people. I'm not saying that we should quit being vigilant. I'm not saying that we shouldn't Expect them to maintain a standard um, in regards to teaching the word and things of that nature. But we should be careful, first of all, about talking behind somebody's back. There's a couple things that throw me around the corner. One is hurt somebody in my family. I, that gets me. I will become involved. Another one is lying. And the third one is like lying. It's like people who talk behind my back but won't talk to me to my face. I have to hear secondhand reports about what people think about what I'm saying or what I'm doing. Um, 
I hate that. I loved how God handled this. He didn't have Moses handle it. God dealt with it. There's another lesson there. When people speak against you, when people uh, virtue signal like Moses and I uh, like Miriam and Aaron were, when, when people accuse you of things and try to undermine your authority or your place in this world, God is your defender. Moses did not defend himself. You notice Moses doesn't say anything until it comes time to pray for Miriam to be healed of leprosy. Moses didn't participate in this. He was just there. And God brings everybody together, the, the accusers and the accused. And he tells the accusers, you know, Moses is pretty special to me. He's the only one I talk to directly face to face. Why were you then not afraid of him? Sometimes people aren't afraid of us because they, they confuse humility with weakness. Uh, there's a quote by Al Capone, and this has, I'm not, not like I'm holding up Al Capone as a, as a paragon of spiritual virtue, but he said something to the fact that, uh, he said, I'm kind to everyone I meet, but don't confuse my kindness with weakness. For if you ever hurt me, or mine, kindness will not be how you remember me. Now that was a very un, that was a very open, obvious threat, but it's the kind of same thing happening here. Moses is is humble, but don't confuse humility with weakness, because behind the humble man or woman of God is a God of immense power, unfathomable power. And authority. It's uh, there's a scene in um, Lion King where the baby lion is growling and confronting some hyenas uh, who are laughing at him, and he's trying his best to be a lion, but he's a puppy, and his growls are more like yips and yaps. But all of a sudden, he opens his mouth up to growl again at these hyenas, and this huge roar is heard. Now, they film it such a way it looks like this little lion cub is is roaring, but it's not. His father is standing behind him. And it's his roar that the hyenas hear and flee from. That's us and God. Moses let God fight his battles. Now, it doesn't say here that Moses didn't talk to God about what Aaron and Miriam were doing. But the fact that it's not mentioned just leads me to think that God was totally in control of this situation. And he was going to defend Moses. God is our defender. He is our strong tower. He is the wall behind which we hide. Humility is not weakness. Humility is the innate ability to recognize who you are in the grand scheme of things. And who are we? We are servants of the Most High God. Servants of the Most High God. He is our defender. I'm, I'll close with this. 
uh, when Israel was in captivity, and there were three, Daniel, Daniel, and then uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember that story about the, the fire? And they, they wouldn't bow to the king's statue. And so he was going to throw them into the fire. And, he, and they said, uh, he, asked, he asked them if they had any last words. I think, I can't remember now. I have to go find that story again. But they said, know this, O king, we will not bow to that statue. We will not bow to that. Um, God is a, our God is able to deliver us from that furnace. But if he's not, if he does not deliver us from that furnace, know this, we will not bow to that statue. We will not bow to you. And of course, we know the story. They're thrown in the furnace and a third one like the Son of Man appeared and kept them safe. And they were delivered from that fiery furnace. They were willing to let God be their defender. That's what's happening here. All right, lots of thoughts coming out of my brain for this one. I think that's enough. I'm whirling around in circles right now over this. I'm going to just hit the road. Here's my coffee, folks. Have a great and glorious day. Bye-bye. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. Neither should my thoughts be your thoughts. You need to think for yourself.